So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swore, and today we have a uh, very special guest. She is one of my all-time favorite people that I've had the opportunity of working with over at Athletes Potential. Her name is Suzanne Robertson, and guys, this is uh, just an incredible woman. She's got her hand in so many different um, projects. She is the producer and program coordinator for Hope Givers. That's her day job, but on top of that, she's also uh, very active in acting. She's a swim coach. She's a trivia host and a damn good one at that. So, uh, guys, I'm super excited to have have her on because she's got quite the on top of everything that she does. Uh, she finds she's always finding time to make sure that she's uh, prioritizing her health and wellness on top of just maintaining an overall balanced lifestyle. So, uh, excited to have her on here and talk about some of the things that she does to be able to do all that. So, Suzanne, without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Jacob. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I know like um, you have been somebody I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while now. Uh, we were able to kind of get you scheduled. Like you're so busy, we had to schedule like a month out, which made sense, um, <laughs> which is which is totally fine. I know when uh, I know when I have somebody scheduled up for um, or when somebody gets scheduled up and they're scheduled and they do that like four, six, eight weeks out, I know it's going to be a good podcast because um, it's always fun to have people on that are a little, that are pretty busy, you know? That's right. It's weird. I just called you Jacob too. I don't know why I did that. It just came first. out. It feels like a professional setting. <laughs> it's the first, Jake. you know, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was actually just having that conversation with, um, with somebody this weekend. It, it was another patient of mine and he was like, uh, like I'm like, I'm in his phone as Dr. Jacob. And like, uh, like that's all he knows me by. And like, I, I remember I texted him one time. I said, Hey, this is Jake. And he had no idea who I was. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I definitely, you're in my phone as Jacob. Yeah. Totally. I think just, Jacob's or Jacob's work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Makes sense. Right. It's like, uh, you know, so for, like, uh, my wife, so a lot of people from my childhood will call me Jacob. And then as we kind of progress into adulthood, I guess it kind of went like 50, 50 on who calls me Jake versus Jacob. And, um, I remember, and nobody I don't care. I really, I couldn't care less, but, uh, for some reason when my wife tries to call me Jake, it sounds really odd and I do not like it. That's yeah. the only time I'll care. She's got to call me Jacob. Everyone, anyone else, the free reigns, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Suzanne. Give me a little yeah. bit of a rundown because even before the show, I was like, all right, so when, what all do you do again? Uh, Cause you are all over the map. Uh, so what is hope givers and what is being a, cause you've been in the, in the film game for a while, right. Uh, as a producer and an actor. 
Um, what is that industry kind of like? And how did you kind of, uh, so this is a loaded question to kind of two parts. One, what is Hope Givers? How did you come to find them and be a part of that group? And then two, how did you get into the film uh, realm and what that's, what is that world like? That's a, that's, it's true. I do feel like I am all over the place, but you know, I've always said, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that could have a standard nine to five day job. That's just right. not my personality at all. Uh, I'll flip the questions because how I got into film and TV, I started my first, I interned uh, back in 2007, right? As I was in college and I always, I wanted to make films. I love story, storytelling. Stories are the most important thing in anything you watch, no matter if it's scripted or unscripted, the story is what gets you. And then the performance mm-hmm. is coming from that too. And I knew I wanted to be involved somehow. So little baby Suze, she was 22. She just picked up and moved to LA with nothing but what would fit in her car and a dream. It sounds like the start of a movie, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have a very supportive family that, that encouraged me and supported me on my wacky, somewhat unconventional idea to yeah. just move from Alabama to LA with the hopes of working in film. And I, I like I said, I was 22 and I hit the ground running and I was just very much f- uh, into finding out how to, how to do it, being curious and talking to people and finding out how they got in. And then one thing led to another and doors would open or not. And I would just, I kept, kept following the path and I've, I've worked in film production for almost like 2007, have to do the math (laughs) over 13, 14 years. And yeah, I moved to Atlanta in May of 2018. Okay. And I don't think I realized that. I don't think I, I don't think I've realized that I lived in Atlanta, that I've lived in Atlanta longer than you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in, I lived in LA and Vancouver for the better part of 10 years, essentially. And uh, I moved, I always wanted, I'm from Alabama. I wanted to be closer to my family and I moved and back to Alabama and a little brief stopover came to Atlanta in May of 2018. Again, without a job, I just knew that the film business was here and the film industry is very much a, okay, can you start yesterday? Like it's a, mm-hmm. we need you now. And yeah. so I, I just knew I just needed, I had to be there. So I went, I came down here, found a cheap place to live. I started just sending emails to whoever I could trying to network and find an in and, and uh, ended up working at a visual effects studio here in Atlanta. That's one of the biggest studios in, in Atlanta and does a lot of visual effects work because I've mostly done visual effects post-production for the better part of the last five years. Okay. And uh, this is, you're getting a a lot. Visual effects. uh, Well, okay. Hold on. Visual effects post-production. What is that? So I was working, if it started in Vancouver, I I started working in post-production on visual effects for film and TV. So Anything you see in it doesn't necessarily have to be superhero movies. It can be, mm-hmm. it can be taking out you know crew that's somehow mistakenly in the shot or okay. beauty fixing. It can be anything. It doesn't have to necessarily be Superman flying through the air, which I have worked on, that's or awesome. it could be yeah. you know 
uh, yeah. Oh, the boom dipped into the frame. We got to paint that out or yep. there's some say, say it's a period piece and you know, they didn't have street lights at this time. They have to paint that out and remove it. And so yeah. I would say the best it's visual effects. You don't, the best visual effects you don't see. And yeah. that's the, the, and, and most things are touched by visual effects these days. So that's awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and I was working that for, for a couple of years and worked on sets for, with set supervision or coordination for visual mm-hmm. effects. And when the COVID, when COVID hit, I was looking, I was transitioning to focus more on acting and mm-hmm. my creative pursuits and found Hope Givers, which is a local Atlanta-based nonprofit production company and grant giving organization. We mm-hmm. produce what's called edutainment. It's kind of, we've edutainment. I like that educational entertainment. Cause think about like the PSAs you saw in school. They were not, (laughs) they were not great. They were, they're not great. The acting was (laughs) usually not the best. They were, they were kind of cheesy or Mm -hmm. boring. You're like, "Uh, I guess it's cool. We get to watch something in class, but so this is a, a organization focused on mental health and wellness. And we created a completely free series for sixth through 12th grade students, health standards aligned for the state of Georgia. That includes an educator toolkit with each episode. It's eight episodes mm-hmm. and it's available on GPB, Georgia Public Broadcasting, and then nationwide on PBS Learning Media. And oh, every cool. episode comes with these toolkits that educators can use to teach from with the episode. So it's, it's equivalent to one month of educator content which oh, is man. pretty cool. We talk about all sorts of topics from depression, anxiety, bullying, suicidal ideations, gender identity. We talk about all these issues in a way that's not super heavy. And because I always say like, bring it into the light, you know, we, yeah. these are things that we really, that are all part of health, not just mental health. It's health and wellness includes the whole person. And that includes sure. your mental, mental health. Yeah. And Every episode contains an interview with a hope giver, someone either either well-known or just known in their community for doing some sort of extraordinary thing then, mm-hmm. or giving back or you never know uh, what, what someone is doing. Yeah. And we highlight a youth filmmaker making, they, we did a challenge. They can make a short film. There's animation, there's musical guests and there's self-care act because like I said, you know, self-care and mental health go hand in hand. Man, that's awesome. And what are like uh, a little bit, it sounds like, like, so you came on like right when the pandemic happened, you said, what a great time to come on to a company that's focusing on on mental health and well-being. It took a few months. I had, I ended my contract like in, on March, I still remember this on March 10th Mm. and, and I was set to start a different job and then COVID hit okay, we're going to refocus things, <laughs> shift around. And then that July, I, yeah. June or July, last summer, I got hired on. Man, crazy. And, and we produced the series completely during COVID. It was, we, we had to make some very, it was a very small crew. It was very, you know, challenge, we just roll with the punches and you know yeah. that you can't plan too far ahead, but you just do what you can and we made it work. Yeah. So then is that how, um, 
was that when you were like locked in a hotel room or not a hotel room, but in a hotel, like in the hotel bubble, essentially? That was different. I was on, that was, I, I took a job on a, I was an onset coordinator for a Netflix film and I was isolated in a hotel bubble. <laughs> we had to have our own little, little home yeah. that we could be in and not, uh, and be be isolated ourselves and mm-hmm. so that we could keep the, the cast and crew safe and oh my it, gosh it, yeah what a wild time you know i actually you know that not think about it so we, we're actually pretty fortunate where we get to work with a decent amount of people in the film industry and um you know that i'm looking back on like the uh covid phenomenon uh we definitely there's this period where we saw a bunch of people from the film industry and it had to be because like now everybody had time uh, to like, cause the film industry, man, like it is awesome what you guys do. And it's like a really fun career, but like, it is a grind for sure. Like yeah. it is, uh, like, especially like, man, I've, we've, I've worked with uh, a couple like, um, like, um, steady cam operators, um, stunt people, um, stunt coordinators, like, uh, actors, obviously, and actresses, um, grips and grips crew, like worked with a number and like, it was like all of a sudden everybody just vanished once like shows started re- uh, going back into production. And it was yeah. because um, I was assuming, well, you just kind of talked about like everybody was going back to work, but then trying to navigate the uh, logistics of filming in a COVID world uh, or a, a world that's in a pandemic, like, man, you guys just went to your bubble. and like, that was that. See you later. <laughs> that was it. See you later. Yeah. We'll see you. And then also, then you had on top of the, the hours and the, the, you know, it's, it can be any time of day. You can have a 4 p.m. call time, which means you were probably going until 4 a.m. Because usually yeah. it's a 12-hour day, and so you, 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 you are are doing a lot of uh, shifting your schedules around, and and it's, yeah. it's a tough, tough business for sure, especially to to maintain any sort of sense of routine or mm-hmm. even in your health and and everything can can be yeah. affected for sure. Oh my gosh. What are, um, so is that pretty typical for it to be like a 12 hour, uh, shift essentially, or is that more of a new thing because of COVID? No, that, that, so essentially as long as I've been in the business, a a standard shoot, shoot day is 12 hours and hours are, and usually a 60 hour week though. A lot of people have pre-calls where they have to come in before and Mm -hmm. get things ready and then wrapping out after they're wrapped for the day. You still have time there. So it, it, some, some crew members can work up to 15 hours a day easily. Yeah. So does the studio or organization that's hosting the uh, filming, if you will, uh, do they like try to make those hours a little bit more manageable for people or by the end of it all, is everyone just pretty burnt out and ready to be done with everything? It's, it's, such a, there's a shift to to make it more manageable because the hours are very taxing and especially mm-hmm. if you say start with a 7 a.m call on monday but but if schedule shift and by friday you're on a 4 p.m then you're doing what's called a fratterday which means you're working friday night into saturday morning okay mm-hmm. you actually only have one day off which is sunday and you're back on monday and yeah. so you're yeah. it's, it's just a, it's a grind and there's there's a shift right now with IATSE, who's the union main, that's the main umbrella for mm-hmm. union workers. I'm not in a union. I'm not eligible okay. um, that for a film worker. Um, yeah. I'm 
not unionized, but um, there's a push to make it more manageable because it is, I've, I've had many health issues arise because of the, the, the grind. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I, it's, it's something that it's very hard to, to find a balance because I do love it. But at the same time, you know, it's not, it's not sustainable. That sure. kind of life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that would be really tough, you know, it's equivalent to like, um, man, like some of the healthcare workers that I work with, where there's this midwife that I work with and she works 24 hour shifts and she's coming in like on the tail end of a 24 hour shift. And it's like, yeah, that would be no wonder your neck hurts, <laughs> you know, or no wonder your feet hurt when you come in. Like, uh, it's a, that's a, it's a very hard thing to try to manage. So what are, what are some of the things that you do to help manage that? Because on top of that, you're also a swim coach. You, you host trivia as well, like, which is super cool. I keep bringing that up because, uh, I suck at trivia, but it's always really fun to go. And Suzanne's awesome at it, but, um, do, but then also like you focus on yourself you do a pretty good job at at least trying to, because I think like with how busy you are and like working a shift like that, if you don't try to like, um, give back to yourself a little bit, uh, you're going to, you're not going to be able to sustain the life that you, that someone like you would live. So what does your routine kind of look like and how do you kind of prioritize um, health and wellness into such a busy schedule? Yeah, I, well, first off, I'm not on a show right now since I work mm -hmm. with the nonprofit and I'm, I am not on a, a production and usually shooting schedules are, I mean, if it's a film or a series, it's going to be different because a film it's, that's a, that's a probably yep. a 30 to 45 day shoot. You don't know, you know, mm -hmm. so a lot of times I think like you can handle it for a short amount of time, but if you're on a, on a longer job, it can be for months at a time and it can get, it can get hard. And I think the biggest thing for me is being okay with what you can achieve. If it's a Oh, I do need to sleep an extra half an hour. Oh, mm -hmm. I, I, what am I, what am I nourishing my body with? You know, sleep is the foundation for sure. And I, I have, I'm one of those that sleep has not always been my best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've not been the best at it. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I can't sleep in for the mm -hmm. life of me. I never, if nope, I don't nap, I don't, nope. you know, I, I'm up, I'm up and it makes um, sense. Yeah. And you, I, I think this is just true in life as you get busier and you, I find, you know, the older you get, the more things that seem to be pulling your, your time and, sure. and self self-care is something that everyone should do no matter what. I think you find yeah. that time, even if it's 10 minutes, it doesn't five minutes. It doesn't have to be, Oh, I went to the gym for an hour, hour and a half, two hour session, you know, four times a week that you don't have to do that. I think it breaking it down and, and doing what you can and not beating yourself up. If, Hey, right now I, the, what I need to do for my body is to rest because mm -hmm. I'm too tapped out. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you can bad yeah. things can happen. And then you'll sideline for even longer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think like, um, man, if you don't take care of yourself, uh, and, and look, I, I think that there's this huge push in, in today's world. It's almost like, uh, just like with everything in the world, like things swing a little too hard. Right. So, uh, if you don't, if man, I think it's really unrealistic for a lot of people, uh, in, in today's world, especially, um, 
I mean, at least in, in my life and the people that I, I get to be around, but like, it's not always feasible for everybody to wake up and do like, you know, read 20 minutes and then go into a meditative state for the next 15 and then sip your, sip your uh, matcha tea as you kind of get ready and like get in a good headspace and take a nice warm shower to like get, like that stuff isn't, I mean, if you have the ability to do that, awesome. Not, not knocking that even a little bit, but um, I think that there's this fallacy out there right now to where like, if you don't have the perfect self-health self-health routine, then you might as well not even do one or um, you're not, or it's, it's almost like a pressure to like, have this massive self-health routine. And um, that's not the case. It can be something as simple as like going for a walk or exactly. uh, it can be something as simple as like knowing when to put your, your uh, phone down and to get I off the screen. just going to say like putting your phone in another room for an hour and watching a show without your phone. Oh, what? yeah. You know? <laughs> like that's, we spend uh, for as someone who works on these things, you know, you see it and you see a lot of times you're like, it takes a lot. I think that that's one thing that people probably don't know is how much time it takes to make an, a, a, a film or a show and all of the names that go by at the end. There are a lot of people involved. Oh my gosh. So and many. Uh, so many, but yes, the, the, I am guilty of totally watch, of watching TV on my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? Why yeah. am I, <laughs> we, we have this need for like the constant stimulus. Yeah. Constant simulation. And I get very overwhelmed and I just, I have to put it away, put it in another room. I don't yeah. need it. I'll do it for hours at a time. It's great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's uh, every year um, my wife and I will go on a family reunion uh, that they do. And it's in this uh, state park where it's, where I call it camping, but it's not really camping. There are these like really nice cabins that we stay in, but um, there's zero service. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And it's a really fun weekend because you're in the middle of nowhere and uh, it's nice. It's nice to be able to recharge and kind of like just be not able to be on your phone. And you know, what's interesting is like as much as like, uh, I don't know, generations want to rag on younger generations and everything. It is just as hard, if not harder for a group of adults to sit around a fire and just like chat with each other without being distracted from their phones as it is for the kids who go play on a stream together. You know, Um, I'd argue much harder for the adults to do that. So it's definitely not an age thing, dude, look, Apple and these phones, like they spend, or these companies, these tech companies, they spend a lot of money. They have a lot of really smart people, uh, to create and addict us to their stuff. So, uh, no fault in like looking at your phone. I think that's totally fine to do. It's It's built to do. It's doing the job to do, but also I always tell people it's there for you. You're not there for it. For sure. Yeah. You know, like that, the, the, the. This is uh, kind of also talking about self-care, like knowing when to shut it off, knowing when to put the boundary up, like if it's work-related, if it's not, if, if you don't have the mental capacity to, even if it's a friend that's, te- you know, I'll, I always tell people there's no timeline to return my texts. I don't expect <laughs> right. you to be on your phone all the time, or yeah. if it, uh, it's, it's that work-life balance that, that is kind of been blurred for a lot of people. Now that we are reachable, we're always reachable and yeah. I, I, you can be unreachable and that's sure. good. I, think I hope you are. Good. Yeah. I hope so too. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we, we so want things as fast as possible where it's like, well, if someone's emailing me and I'm not in the right headspace to reply, or I need mm-hmm. to think about it. I'm going to take the time instead of writing something that, Oh, I may have 
made a, an error or overpromised or said something out of character. Or I don't know, you know, any of yeah, those things. For and sure. So it's all yeah. about that's, that's the self-care too. To- yeah. I, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's always interesting too. Uh, every now and then I'll get an email from a patient at like, like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. Those are never good emails to get, uh, because like <laughs> everyone's like panicking or there's something's been on their mind. Like if you sleep on it, typically things will be okay. Um, versus sending off an email super late at night. It's never a fun one. Um, okay. Speaking of patience though, uh, we were yeah. to work with you, uh, and you've got quite the, you've got, you've, so, um, you had this diagnosis, uh, and it was, it's called Parsonage Turner syndrome. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, I would imagine it's most of you because I didn't know what this was until, uh, I've actually had two patients with this. It's pretty freaking rare though. So, uh, I've, it's unique that I've worked with two people with this. Uh, but it's essentially where, uh, your, your nerves in your arm, uh, that, that, uh, attach or that impact, uh, impact essentially like a particular muscle group in the back of your shoulder kind of just stop working. Uh, it's, it's called, it's an idiopathic disease, which simply means, uh, we don't really know why it comes around. Um, but it's, it's super, um, and it, it impacts your daily life at a, at a pretty high degree. And I'll let Suzanne kind of talk about this a little bit more, but, um, what was, what was that like for you? Uh, so you've had it once arguably potentially twice now, which is pretty crazy, um, in both yeah. shoulders. So, um, what was that kind of like? What were some of your, what were some of the things that you experienced and um, how did that kind of impact not just your mental health, but then like uh, your physical routine as well? Yeah, that it was, uh, it was in 2008. I had just, I was living in LA and I was talking about like burning the candle at every end. That yeah. was me. I was new city. I had, I was working in film, which is, and learning all of this, these new things. I was young. I was, you know, 22, 23 and, and, uh, it's just, there was a lot going on. I also have a pretty significant history with eating disorders and an eat, and, and eating disorder recovery. And mm-hmm. at the time I was very thin. I was not, my anorexia at the time was, was, was pretty strong along with the over-exercising. So yeah. I, you know, I'm five, seven, I'm not, um, so it's a little taller than average, I guess, uh, five, seven. And at the time that I remember I weighed about uh, between 110 and 115 pounds. Oh my gosh. It's very like, uh, that's, that's, that's very thin for you. Yeah. That's very, very thin. So I, and I was still working out like crazy, like a lot. And I, I wasn't eating obviously. And so not nourishing my body, not taking care of it. And, uh, that I woke up one day with, with just some really intense pain in my armpit. And I didn't know, I was like, that's weird. Maybe I pulled a muscle when I was exercising, I don't know, went to the, you woke gym, up with like, it. You said like it happened at night. Yeah. It's super typical. Okay. Yep. Yep. Woke up with it at night or in the morning. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was right inside my armpit. I'm like, that's so, so weird. Yeah. I went to the gym later that day or around the time. And I, I peeked over and I, in the mirror and I was wearing a tank top and I saw my left, this is my left shoulder. My left scapula was away from my back. Mm-hmm. Like it was not where it was sticking out essentially. Yeah. Uh, it was not flush with my back, like a uh, scapula normally lays. And yeah. this was, this was sometime, you know, after that'll wake you up. That. Yeah. And, uh, 
I had, I had a really hard, I couldn't move my arm in certain ways. I couldn't like putting, putting a plate in a cabinet was like a laborious thing to do. And like, this is so strange. I couldn't hold like holding a hair dryer. Couldn't do it with that left arm. There was, there were a lot of things making a bed, just stuff that, that, like you said, daily life that, uh, that are normal, quote unquote, normal tasks I couldn't do. And I had no idea what it was. So I, I was doing all the things I thought I should do at the time, like ice and heat and, you know, different pain creams and things when finally, um, because it was timing with my eating disorders being at such a point where I needed treatment that I, I moved home. My mom came to out to LA and we moved back to Alabama for the time. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing a, um, working with an eating, eating disorder treatment counselor and not inpatient treatment, but all outpatient. And then also started seeing a lot of doctors to figure out what was going on with this shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. So much pain. And then I, I couldn't move my arm at this point. Now, now I, I remember, you know, holding like doing like an external rotation of your, of your arm. And I remember, I remember looking at my arm and like move, telling it to move and it wouldn't move. And just to know, like, what? Yeah. That's so like that. I was, I was partially paralyzed at that. Sure. And yeah. And I did a lot of tests, did a nerve conduction study. Which Those are fun, right? <laughs> if you, if you, if you never have to have one, consider yourself lucky. I've had yeah. to have two now and they're, yeah, they're, oh, they're not the most fun they, thing in the world. No. And luckily, but I am very lucky that, that I have no nerve damage from yeah. Parsonage Turner. I, um, I was in physical therapy for over six months before I could even lift a a one pound weight. And I Mm -hmm. remember that day too, when I like my arm shaking, when I was moving this one pound and, and humbling, right. Oh, oh, very humbling and, and working to get my scapulas to move together at the same time and all these things. And it it was a, a long time. And I, I, I mean, I had severe atrophy all on my, my rhomboids all over. Obviously my scapula wasn't being held down by anything anymore. And right. it, it's very possible that my eating disorders, I, I, that's my theory is contributed to this because, oh, you're not eating enough to, uh, to survive. We're going to start shutting things down in order to survive. And that's For sure. Mm-hmm. But you got to think about like, uh, I mean, just so and with really any eating disorder, you're going to have quite a bit of like, um, like malnutrition that's kind of going on. And typically what we'll see with, um, with an eating disorder is we'll see some form of like body dysmorphia associated with that, or like a, a really, um, very strict and, and rigid and overworked, um, training program as well. That's kind of associated with that. So you think about your demanding a ton out of your body on top of not giving it any fuel. Imagine what you would do, what your engine would do if you were constantly running it and you didn't put any oil in it, right? You never changed its oil. Like, exactly. so your body will start to, you know, fight back essentially, or just burn out. And so like a lot of times this is like a, they think that this may be like some form of like autoimmune uh, inflammation or autoimmune disorder. So like for sure could, could absolutely be caused by um, being now malnourished on top of all the, all the uh, training that people will typically do associated with that as well. So yeah, most likely. And, it, and stress, yeah, it, right? It stress like, triggers a lot of that stuff stress. too. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure you're under quite a bit out there. Like uh 
LA is an awesome place, but like, if you're trying to grind, especially in the uh, film industry, like <laughs> you're going to be pretty stressed out. Yeah. And, and, you know, young and figuring it out and all the things on at once it's, it was, it's a lot. And, and for sure, I'm very grateful that I, I was able to get the treatment that I did. And, and it took a long, a long time before, I think I still have some residual effects from it, but I, you know, just to, to know that that I eating disorders, person, all of that's part of my story. And that's something that I will have with me. I used to think mm-hmm. like, I want to be rid of it. I want, I don't want to, I don't, you know, that I want to yeah. be cured. I want to be, yeah. it's like any addiction or anything like that. That's, that's not the case. It's, it's, I, I, one of my counselors had told me like, think of it like a book up on the shelf. It's up there. It's going to, it's going to collect dust. It's, you don't have to take it down. It's mm-hmm. just going to be there, you know? And, and that's, when I stopped fighting that is when I really started to improve. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, I hope that nobody ever has to go through something like that. Right. Um, but friction will typically, uh, empower you to become a better version of yourself. Right. Um, so going through a hard thing like that, like, I mean, um, that can be a very powerful, like transformative moment for yourself as well. Uh, and really kind of give you like, um, uh, some of that comes to my mind right away is a really good friend of mine. Um, his name is Brett Bartholomew and he's very open about like his battle with like body dysmorphia and essentially like burning him or like he was hospitalized because it's kind of similar thing, like just running himself into the ground. And, um, but he is one of the most driven people I know in this world to this day. And, it's essentially, and he'll say this to, he'll say this to anybody is, you know, he's, he's already been, you know, a lot of people look at back on their deathbed and be like, man, I wish I would have done that. Like he's already been on his deathbed essentially. So like, he knows yeah. what he wants to be able to do. So like, right. same thing with you. Like, I mean, obviously not like a deathbed, that's, that's an extreme example, but, um, oh, totally. going, totally. yeah, going through something really hard like that, especially from a, um, like a mental capacity and a psychological on, on top of just physical pain. Right. Um, cause that, like that, that, uh, that stuff that you can't see is typically what goes a little bit deeper than, um, than the physical pain or the stuff that you can see, um, Absolutely. So to, to fight through that. It's no wonder that you're constantly moving and constantly grinding, constantly doing things. I'm not surprised by that even a little bit. Yeah. Well, and to say like it, it didn't, it wasn't fixed just overnight, you know, in, in 2008, 2009, when I was in, in treatment and everything, it's something I've battled throughout my life. And that's something that it's, it's gotten easy. It's, I love the uh, Jason Isbell's one of my favorite artists and he, he is, a, he's sober, but he has a song about his sobriety, which I think it's the same reflects a lot of the, what I feel too about my, my history is that uh, it gets easier, but it never gets easy. Yeah. And that's, that's great. That's the thing. It's it, right. Like it, it, it gets easier. It's I've, I've there, you know, we've, there's a lot of things that happened to bring me to this point. And there's a lot of other, other challenges and things to overcome, but knowing my, I would say in the last two, three years, maybe four years, I've really shifted as far as where my uh, mindset is. Are there days when I have disordered eating thoughts or, you know, body dysmorphia or just negative thought, of course, the negative yeah. voice and it, the lizard brain loves to chat. And, but you just, the, the more you, you, you brush it off and you fight back against it and just kind of dis, dismiss it rather than completely ignoring it as yeah. then you get success. So when, when uh, this would have been 
it was during the pan. It was June of 2020. No, mm-hmm. yes, June of 2020 when I woke up in pain on my right shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I freaked out because I thought, is it is it Parsons Turner again? That's yeah. That was the uh, oh, an easy fear to jump to. Easy fear and like mm-hmm. the worst pain. I mean, I like everybody. I was doing a ton of workouts in mm-hmm. my home and I was doing a lot of more shoulder stuff, a lot of burpees and push-ups and whatever's and and uh the most intense pain like woke me up from a dead sleep and I again was like I must have I might have torn something like doing yeah. at home rotator cuff checks <laughs> yeah to the urgent care uh, all these things worked uh with a my chiropractor for a bit until yeah. finally I, uh, I it was time for PT and I was referred to Jake yeah man and man, what a what a what a journey we've been on right <laughs> yeah yeah because I mean, we worked together for, it was a long yeah. time too. Yeah. This is another was... rotator cuff muscles. Those yeah. little itty bitty baby muscles, they take a long time. Oh my gosh. They take forever oh. too, man. And uh, kind of cool this time around, we were able to get you on some blood flow restriction training to kind of like uh, yes. expedite that process a little bit and kind of like get some strength going again when, uh, cause what's interesting is whenever like, like, um, you know, definitely rotator cuff muscles, but a little bit of neural involvement on, on top of that as well uh, with that right shoulder. Um, you can't overtax the nervous system. Like it's not like a muscle where like the more you work, the better it's going to be like your nervous system will just shut down and you've essentially burned it out. You've done too much, uh, especially yeah. when you're fighting uh, like some form of like um, acute neural disorder. So um, or autoimmune disorder. So it's like uh, <clears throat> when we can throw on some type of biohack, like uh, blood flow restriction training, uh, where we can, I mean, you're moving. I remember when you first started it, you were laying on your side and just moving your arm up and down to get that extra rotation. Like you didn't have any weights in your hand at all. Uh, but we were able, but that was enough to start getting some of that muscle, um, hypertrophy back and start and start you on the right track at least, you know? Yeah, it was, it was so, that was, that was also a tough mental challenge too, because you think like we were all, still in the COVID era and, and trying to, and right. And like, and I'm going like now, and I'm a swimmer, like the pool's just open. I can't really like swimming without pain was like a, was a goal that we had Mm -hmm. when I, when I first came to Jake and I, uh, because it is swimming is one of the one thing it's one of the, like, it is the thing that clears my mind completely. I just focus on that. And I've, I've done it. I've been swimming. I've been in the water as long as I can remember, like That's awesome. as a baby, I was in, I was competing at the age of four. I was uh, just nice. like all over the pool. Um, yeah. but you know, thinking like, yes, you were talking about the, the prioritizing fitness in my life. Well, that really that's my stress relief and, and in a healthy way now, like I, but I still need it. And I still try to move my body in some way every day. Well, what did I do? Because I couldn't do a lot of things because of my shoulder. And also all the things are shut down and we're not supposed to be around people. I started walking a lot. I walked a lot. I'm not a runner. I'm, you know, I'm not, I, uh, well, you're a swimmer. Most swimmers aren't runners. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't go both ways. It's true. And I'm just going to say for the record, triathlons can extend their swim. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to run 10, yeah. 20 miles. And then yeah, it's like, I'll swim a 500. Well, you know, it's like, it's risk reward, right? Like you get tired running, just start walking. You get tired swimming. You're yeah, going to drown. True. So. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it's uh, as a, I've been a, I've been a swimmer on, I've uh, been recruited for swim parts of relays of triathlon. So I know. Oh um, man, I bet. That's I, uh, I would happily do that any day. Yeah. I was like, it's social work. That was it. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, man, I remember, um, I feel like, well, for triathlons, I feel like there's such a difference between like swimming in like open water and like a pool. Um, yeah. especially in yeah. a triathlon, you got like, not only are you trying to swim in that drown, but you're like dodging feet and hands. The oh, whole yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. My, my very first, uh, ocean race. And when I lived in LA, I would do ocean races. And my very first one I did, I was recruited to be on a triathlon, the LA triathlon, which you swim in the ocean. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's only, it was the sprint distance, which is, again, I think it's only a 500. It's not yeah. very far, but I get to the, I've not done a competitive ocean swim. I know how to swim in the ocean. I know how to swim, but yeah. I, uh, uh, I, there, the swells were like six to nine feet. It's quite and a bit. I'm looking at like, um, <laughs> you want me to go on that? <laughs> all right. And, and, uh, I know like dive down, you got to go under the waves and like, yep. you know, but they were coming like yeah. one after another, like I'd <laughs> pop up to get a breath and go back down. I mean, they, there were people that didn't finish because it, it, it was so, it was intense, but once, of course, just like a metaphor for life, once you get past those, the breakers, it's calm and it was flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, what a mind game, you know, to be like our, our body will tightly regulate our breath more than just about anything. Right. So like when you're, con- when you're constantly have to come up, can't quite get that breath that you want have to come right back down. That would be like yeah. super exhausting. Oh, I, even and really me, and I, swimmer and I was like, I don't, this doesn't feel like I can, I should keep going, but I did. And I know like, yeah. I got, and I know, in a in a riptide little like bloop, 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 you know got yeah. turned around once and then I I but I know how to write myself and I got out but there's there's a it's that's why like swimming is it's a passion of mine and, and I believe that that water safety in general is a everyone should know how to have access and learn how to swim because and save themselves because it, it you don't need to be Michael Phelps or you know Katie Ledecky you can be just to be safe in the water yeah where do you like to swim at Currently I swim with Chastain park masters and I started coaching there as well. And we, we even did, uh, they have an adult summer league swim team, which if you ever swam summer league as a kid, you know how fun it is and you can do it as an adult. <laughs> That's awesome. I will say like, uh, people will, will say you're always doing stuff. Play is something that's very important to me, like foundational beliefs. I think that why is you know just because you're a quote unquote an adult doesn't mean uh you stop playtime yeah you know find things sure. that are that are fun and and can work into your schedule and it was one of the most it, it made the summer so much fun because you, you had adults doing like i think if you're familiar with swimming the distance is for kids are usually like 25s yep. and 50s. You had adults doing 25. It was great. It was so great. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Sounds like my type of swimming. Are people allowed to do that? Do I have like a swim background or like, how is that? You get, is it like an invite only oh, type it, of thing? It be a, no, anybody can do it. I think you just go to grownupswimming.com. I'm not sponsored, but hashtag would be, uh, yeah. they, they, uh, you can, you join with your, it's all mostly master's teams, which master's is club teams for over 18. That's what I always tell people for, for swimming. So that's the U S masters organization has teams and pools all across the country and you can compete in meets. I used to coach in LA with a team out there and I swam 
on their, their team. And again, it's just, it's nice to be able to set goals for yourself continually in something that you can see the results of too. Yeah. You know, you can say, oh, I want to drop my time here or, or not, or just want to have fun and, and, yeah. and if the, stay active too. Oh my gosh. And just fun to like socialize and hang out and, and all that fun stuff. Um, that's exactly. awesome. Would, would you say that, would you say the name of the, of the club was again? Uh, Chastain park athletic club. Cool. And what, what about the, what about the adult swimming thing? That's grownupswimming.com. And I grown swam with the Chastain park team for the, the grownup swimming organization, but they, I know they have, they know it's not just Atlanta. They do it in other cities as well. That's awesome. Well, and it, I had a lot of friends asking me where uh, <laughs> it wasn't. And even we had championship meet and they even were playing the bulls like theme. You know what I'm talking about? The mm-hmm. Chicago bulls theme. Like, yep. and, like, and they had trophies and it was a whole <laughs> production. It was great. It's just, again, not taking it seriously though. You had some people who clearly uh, like, did you just come from the Olympic trials? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that sounds like a blast. Um, Well, man, we've covered a lot of topics today. We've covered, uh, you know, how to, how to have, how to play as an adult. If you like to swim, Uh, we've covered uh, mental health. We've covered eating disorders. We've covered um, the film industry. We've covered a lot. So if somebody, if, if one of these messages kind of hit well with one of the, or someone like listening, or they wanted to reach out to you, potentially learn more about what you do or who you are, um, what would be some cool resources for them or more about, uh, hope give hope givers or, uh, any part of the organization, any organization that you're part of would be some cool resources for them. Yeah. So hope givers is on, uh, got our website, hopegiversga.org, or you can find us on all the socials at hopegiversga. uh, myself at Suzanne underscore Robertson on Instagram. I, Love it. uh, I am not, uh, are you, what you can follow for, I, I don't know what you'd follow, find. It's almost 2022. It's all about the cloud. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can find, you can, you'll, you'll find lots of sporting events and I do love sports and, uh, just me being ridiculous. And that's love what I, I say. That's what, what's great about social media is that just, uh, I say, don't just let your freak flag fly. Just be exactly who you are. It's, yeah. it's more fun to be weird and, and yourself. Nobody, everybody's thinking in their head about them, themselves. They're not thinking about you. So That's right. Yeah. Nobody cares about you. Right. No. <laughs> not, not you, but you as in a, you, uh, you. The, the, Roy, yeah. the group you. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Suzanne, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy person. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on this podcast with me. Um, and just learning a little bit more about who you are, your backstory and, and why you, why you do what you do. So um, do we, we cover enough things? I feel like we need a part two now. We probably should get a part two going on, but uh, we'll, we'll do it in person. We'll do it over a trivia night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Jake. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.